Well, again, good morning to you. I am Joel, and it is good to be with you today. Uh, quick update about where we're going, what we're doing. Once again, uh, we're walking through 1 John, and we're going to be doing that for the next month or so. We're going to finish that up. Then in October the 11th, we jump into a series called Speak, and we're going to give biblical language to the issues of life. Biblical language to the issues like politics and race and anxiety and suffering and hatred and hostility. We're going to tackle all of that starting October the 11th all the way to Thanksgiving. And that's going to be a lot of fun to be able to just take everything that Scripture does instruct us with and to be able to disseminate what God is wanting us to do and how he's desiring for us to live. So today we're in 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. So if you would turn there with me as we're able to look at the Word of God this morning. Uh, I tell you, what you're going to learn and even be reminded of from last week with Pastor Jim when he was preaching um, is that we really, John is reminding all of these individuals who are a part of the church that he's writing to. Even the people, there's a lot of people stepping away from the faith, stepping away from the church that he's writing to. And really it's going to boil down to, hey, you guys aren't representing the Father's love because you haven't fully received the Father's love. A lot, of, a lot of it's going to boil down to that. But that's what we're trying to figure out. How can we best reflect God's love for us? The Father's love should be reflected by the believer, right? Um, my father, he passed away a few years ago. One of the things that he taught me um, especially when I was living at home growing up, is he taught me how to love a wife. And I certainly don't mean um, this in a bragging way. I think this is how we should all be. But, man, he served her so well. He served my mother. I, I saw it all the time and the things that he would do. And that's something that now I think it certainly rubbed off on me. I love to serve my wife. I, I love it. I love looking at the little things that she needs done, whether it's bringing her coffee in the morning in bed and rubbing her feet before she wakes up. and I, I don't do all that, but it'd be cool um, if she would do it for me. Um, no, but, you know, whether it is making her coffee and bringing it to her and just being able to serve her and being able to cherish who she is. It's something my father's no longer here, yet that's something that's living on, right, because of who he was and what he modeled for me. And as a Christian, that's what we should be doing for everybody around us. We should be reflecting the Father's love for us. And more and more, what I'm being hit with is this. So many people today struggling, they struggle to show the Father's love because they themselves have not received the Father's love. And that can be seen in terms of grace and mercy and even forgiveness, right? We need to be Romans 12-ing people. Right, Romans 12, I've mentioned it before, but Romans 12 is this amazing passage where it talks about outdoing one another in love, outdoing one another in grace, outdoing one another in forgiveness, outdoing, it's, it's like, oh, wow, you want some competition? I, we like some help, healthy competition in my family, right? right? Yesterday, my family, we went, we played Frisbee golf near our house, and I crushed my eight-year-old. <laughs> Boom, competition. Right? Too far? Um, but that's what we, like, it's just fun. But it's, it's fun to think about that. We love, well, let me give you some competition. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're to be in competition without doing each other in the way that you show each other grace, love, and forgiveness. And that's what we need to be doing. But the, So why aren't we? Why are we struggling so much with this? And it's because you can't 
give to others that which you have not received yourself. Here's another way to think about it. We will love others with the power of Christ. And here's a primary theme for us today. We will love others with the power of Christ when our own hearts have embraced the fullness of Christ. We will love others with the power of Christ which is what John's calling them to. You've got to unpack the scripture here, and that's what we're going to do. We will love others with the power of Christ when our own hearts have embraced the fullness of Christ. And that's, that's what I think these second and third generation believers so quickly, right? About 60 years after the time of Christ and his death and resurrection, this book is being written by John, and he's addressing all these individuals, who are, who are saying, I don't have faith, or I don't, I don't, I'm not doing the whole church thing, right? I'm, I'm abandoning the church. And he's like, yeah, you they're abandoning it partly because they've never received it for themselves. They're not loving each other the way they need to love each other because they, they haven't received it themselves. And so some of you, maybe you just need to receive the love of God and his grace and his forgiveness today. Some of you, man, you are, you are bent on making sure you hold that grudge over your parents or your grandparents or a friend from eight years ago, 14 years ago. You are determined 30 years ago to hold it over their head because, honestly, you've never received grace and forgiveness yourself. You've never absorbed it, and so you're going to hold it on them. So that's what we're going to see as we unpack this passage today. What I want to do is I want to start with 1 John chapter 3, verse 10. It's a concluding verse from the message last week with Pastor Jim, and I just wanted to call that out for us, and this is what it says. By this, verse 10, you're not going to see it up here, just listen, listen if you would. By this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. So right there, you should go, oh, 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 oh. If, I know that the majority of people that I preach to, not all, but the majority are believers, whether it's online it doesn't matter where you are, right? The majority of people that I address claim to be believers in Jesus Christ. And now, all of a sudden, here's John saying, hey, here's evidence of how you're going to know if you're a child of God or if you're a child of the devil. That should make your ears go, what? What's that test? And this is what it says. It says, whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. So if I'm a believer, I know this. Here is the dissemination. Here's, the, here's the, the difference between being a child of God and being a child of the devil. Is If I am practicing righteousness and if I'm loving my brother. So that means if I'm a believer, I'm going, you better, I, I'm searching it up. What does it mean to practice righteousness and what does it mean to really love my brother? Because... He's laying it out for us. So our desire is to practice righteousness, which a lot of us don't want to actually do because we want to serve self. You can't serve self and serve a righteous God. You have to surrender self so that you can serve a righteous God. And so we want to know what it is to practice righteousness, and we also want to know what it is to love our brother, and our brother is anybody else who claims to know Jesus. We can just fail miserably sometimes loving a world that doesn't love God because we haven't even figured out how to love each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so this is what we're able to look at. So I want to break this down in a few different verses. It's verse 11 and then the remaining part of 1 John chapter 3. I'm going to break this down in a few different sections. And I want to read for you first 11 through 15. And this is what it says. For this is the message 
that you have heard from the beginning. This is the message that's always been true. This is the message that you keep hearing about over and over. This is the message about who the word is. This is the message that has never changed from the beginning, right? And here's John talking about John in 1 John chapter 1 and John chapter 1. Also, you can go to Genesis chapter 3. It's talking about the word and the perfect word. And so here he is. It's from the beginning, hasn't changed, that we should love one another. Now, we can define love in all different ways, but hopefully we're going to learn about some of that today in terms of speaking truth and being able to share it with other people that there is one way, truth, life. It is Jesus Christ, but we care for one another, brothers and sisters of Christ. And he says this, so we should not be like Cain. I love, here's the, here's the picture. 11 through, especially when you look at this passage, 11 through 18, even um, through 20, is really about the contrast between love and hate. So he's saying we should love one another. Don't be like Cain. Right? Who's Cain's brother? Abel. Don't be like Cain. What did Cain do to Abel? Yeah. Done. Murder, right? Done. Don't be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. Why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. So do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. Don't be surprised that the world hates you. We know that we have passed, our, passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. I just want to stop right there for a moment. So here's this contrast. Um, You're to practice righteousness. You're to love others, your brothers, right? And so do this in order to, to reflect the Father's love, whatever he's passed on to you, right? If the Father has passed on grace and love and mercy and forgiveness and all these things to you, you are now wanting to demonstrate that to others just as I want to serve my wife because I saw my father serving his wife. And he's like, don't be like Cain because we know that he was of the evil one. Cain failed to show the family resemblance. Cain failed to show this family resemblance. We we already know this. And did he disobey because he lacked faith or trust that God was God? No. He just bought into selfish ways. He bought into what he desired to do. And that sin took hold of his heart. I I want to help you understand. So hate is one of these words. We'll speak it, right? But we actually, it's one of those things that we never assume that we have in our own heart. Have you noticed that? It's one of those words. I hate such and such, but we then would say, oh, are you a hateful person? No. Well, you just said you hated something. That means you're a hateful person. Hate, one of the ways to understand it so that it relates to us and and really process it. Hate is seeking another person's harm. Hate is seeking another person's harm, which originates... From the devil, from a sinful heart. And harm isn't always physical. Harm can be in any way whatsoever. Well, this is what they had coming to them. Have any of you thought that? Like, right, well, they, they had it coming. They had it coming. Can I tell you how anti-Jesus that is? 
And so that's hatred. That's what happens is all of a sudden we go, man, I, I, want, I want something wrong. I want something uh, that, that, that is evil. I want harm to come to another person in some way. Even if they get disgraced or if they get embarrassed or if they get mocked or if they put, get put to shame, whatever else it is. And that's what we actually desire of other people. That's hatred. And it reminds me of Matthew chapter 5. So as I run over that, that's Sermon on the Mount. Okay, so here he is. Uh, Matthew 5, 21 and following. It says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder. So think Cain right now. Committing murder. You shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. It shows the way that we should be treating one another. Right? It's really hard for us to love the world and to embrace them and to make sure that we're proclaiming truth when we stink at just loving each other sometimes because we're so bent on getting our way rather than doing the way of the Heavenly Father. So here he is. He's like, listen, you're going you're gonna to love others with the power of Christ when you first embrace the fullness of Christ and you're going to be able to love other people when you recognize where this sin comes from and what's actually happening. Because he, remember, this is John. So John, Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and also the book of Revelation. Wrote them all. And this is a guy who speaks a lot. I mentioned it a couple weeks ago about what it means to abide in Christ. Right? Probably most well-known is John chapter 15 about abiding in Christ, how we should abide in him. And now in 1 John, he's doing the same thing. He uses this word frequently to talk about what it is to abide in Christ. Well, if you read through the text, this is what we want you to better do is just keep reading through it and reading through it. And then all of a sudden you see the differences. So here he is, abide with Christ, abide with Christ. But then what it tells us is that, it says the following. It says, whoever does not love abides in death dwells in death, absorbs death, lives in death, because that's what abide means. So here's this contrast of what we see that he's communicating about what it is to abide in Christ. And now instead of abiding in Christ, he's like, if you don't love your brother, you're abiding in death. Like little sirens for some people should be going off right now. Right? Because it starts to call this out. And it's this powerful, powerful reminder for us. Listen, guys, righteousness, and he's saying this, and pursue righteousness and love one another. Righteousness, when you're practicing the righteousness of God, when you, another way of thinking about it is uh, when you think about the righteousness of God, it, it, when you're reflecting the Father's love. Let's go back to that. When you're bearing family resemblance, you need to know right now that will always provoke hostility from those that are opposing God. It will always provoke hostility, right? It says the world even will hate you. So some of us, we need to just recognize, listen, anybody, I'm going to simplify it as much as I can. Anybody who wants to be selfish in their ways will always resist that that says to be selfless. So he's instructing us. A passage you can even write down. Um, John 14, 23. 
Another one that relates right to it. You can just write that down if you want to read it later on. John 14, 23 says, um, if anyone loves me, um, he will keep my word. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. So that means we're striving to practice that righteousness. That means if we're claiming, if we're claiming the love of the Father, we're striving to practice that righteousness and, and to reflect his love, to reflect his glory at all times. So here in this passage, that's part of what's being said. He, he's letting us know, here's Cain, here's the difference. Here's what that comes from. Oh man, he started abiding in death, you are to abide with me. Verse 16, 17, and 18, he says, By this we know love. That he laid down his life for us. This is what gets me. This is how we know what love is. That you're going to, Christ, I'm going to lay down his life for us. Like that in itself, have we really taken the gospel and simply made it about being nice and kind? It is so much more than kindness. The gospel is about demonstrating the likeness of the Father who was willing to give His Son to die on the cross so that we might have fullness of life. Don't compare the two. It's like, it's like I was talking about these services, and I'm so, again, I'm so appreciative for, for so many people willing to flex their schedule and their time, and we know some of you can't, etc. But someone was like, hey, why don't you just tell them they need to suffer for Jesus? And I'm like, asking someone to come 30 minutes later isn't suffering. Right, if you want to ask me, hey, can, can I be really transparent for a moment? Is that Okay. Because if not, I, I, don't, I don't need to, I'm just going to do it. Um, that's the problem with the church today, oh my goodness. If I have to spend time trying to convince someone and concern about whether or not they'll come 30 minutes earlier or 30 minutes later in order to worship the eternal God, there's the root of the problem. We actually don't have genuine transformed followers. Truly. I don't have to do that. So hear me say, that's the beauty of this church. I can't believe where I get to serve. Right? So going off script here. The, I read, it just stuck in my mind. I read a survey last night. Ten pastors being interviewed and talking about the condition of what they're having to do during COVID. And they're like, if we open, people say they're never coming back. If we don't open, people say they're never coming back. They're never going to tie. They're going to tie. They're never. And all this kind of, and they're just caught in the maze of what to do now for the ten pastors admitted to suicidal thoughts during this time. And that's our spiritual leadership. Now, that is not me. Hear me say that is not me. I have, a, I have an army behind me praying. An army. But if that's what our church has turned into, we've missed the goal of what it is to be a transformed follower of Jesus, which is actually proclaiming Jesus. We've missed it. If we can't show the love of Christ toward one another, how do we expect to show the love of Christ toward those that actually disagree with us? Because here's a passage in 1 John chapter 3. He's like, listen, you guys are stepping away from the faith and from the church, and you're not loving each other because you've never actually probably embraced the love of God for yourself. 
And I know that some of you have been done wrong in life. I know that. But God can redeem anyone from anything. Amen. Maybe we're not allowing redemption in our own life. So what he's calling out here to me is, listen, he's saying, this is how we know what love is. That Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, that we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. This is all temporary. This, this is so temporary. This body is a flesh and it's going to rot. This is all going to rust. And so I should be eager, I should Romans 12 you, and be eager to outdo you in showing God's love. So if anyone has material possessions, see his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? How can we look at other people who are hurting and ever think that's what they get? Shame on us. Dear children, let us love with words or tongue. Let us not do just that, but with actions and in truth. Here's one of the things, here's, here's one of the primary things that we learn from this passage about loving and reflecting the love of the Father is that we need to begin demonstrating that which we have received. We need to demonstrate that which we have received. We need to demonstrate that which we have received. This is important. If we claim to have received this love and this grace and this forgiveness, it's so good. Then we need to be demonstrating that in the way that we treat others and our eagerness to do such. There are so many people that sometimes I look at it and I just go, man, I need to be discerning in this situation and how I treat them and how I look at them. And, and I do, I think that's truthful, but I also need to be eager to just simply forgive and recognize that God has done the same for me. So I continue to look at this passage. Verse 19 and following, it says, it's so good. It says, by this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. Right? Like if you want to know, right? It tells us, John 14, 6, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I'm the way and the truth and the life. I'm the way and the truth and the life. I'm the way and the truth and the life. And right here it tells us, by this we shall know that we are of the truth. Do you want to be of the truth? So if I want to be of the truth, and I want to have my heart reassured before him, I need to do this. I need to recognize that whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. A lot of us, we don't like condemnation of the heart because it makes us feel uneasy because it's calling out something that actually a sinful person probably desires and now it's calling that out. But that's why we say that conviction is a blessing. Conviction is a blessing. Why? Because that's Holy Spirit speaking and saying, hey, you're stepping towards something that's not of me. You're stepping towards something that's not of me. Hey, you keep stepping towards something that's not of me. And so conviction is a blessing. And that condemnation and he's saying, listen, it's okay though. Let it instruct you. Let it guide you. Why? Because we know that he cares for us. God is greater than our heart. He knows everything. 
Verse 21 says, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Right? It's God condemning us and, and our hearts condemning us and so that we can repent and align ourselves with Him and then we can live in the confidence that we have before Him. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do what pleases Him. It says, verse 23, and this is His commandment, that we believe in the name of, the Son, Jesus, of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as He has commanded us. Whoever keeps His commandments abides, there it is, abides in God and God in Him. And by this we know that He abides in us by the Spirit whom He has given us. It's this, it's this amazing picture. You, he wants you to stand here and go, I want you to reflect what, I, what I've given to you. I want you to... I love others even when it's not being reciprocated, when it's not being given back. I want you to live in that. I want you to process all of that. And he's then saying, don't be like Cain, right? Don't know the difference. Allow the condemnation of your heart in, in the midst of that. Know this, that you have assurance of salvation through Jesus Christ. This is big. He's calling this out for us right here. He just says, you can have this assurance. This is how, verse 19, this then is how we know that we belong to the truth. And, and, we, and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. Whenever our hearts condemn us, for God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. That's assurance. Assurance means that you know that Jesus truly loves you and that you have salvation through him. And when you have assurance of salvation, you can walk through life with confidence. You can walk through life with a different type of confidence and you literally, you, you, you silence the world and all of the ways that it tells you that you're messing up and all the ways that it tells you that you're wrong and you're not perfect enough and that you're, you're just all messed up and you gotta keep chasing all the wrong things and you go, you know what, I'm a child of God Yes, I need to love others as a reflection of how I've received his love. But regardless of what the world says, I'm good because I got Jesus. See, too long, for too long, what we think is here's just a normal guy standing here. And we think that, hey, here's, uh, here's a non-believer. Let's just pretend that for a moment. Here's a non-believer, and all of a sudden I'm living my life, and maybe for extracurricular activities in my life, I'm all into music, or I'm all into sports, or I'm all into maybe building a pole barn behind my house, or I'm all into fishing, or I'm all into investments. Whatever it is, doesn't matter. And I'm all into that, and I come to know Jesus then all of a sudden, and I go, oh, okay, I'm the same person. I just know that I have Jesus for eternity. And we think that's the difference. No, that's not the difference in a believer and a non-believer. That's not the difference. Everything changes when you profess Jesus Christ as your Lord. It's not, hey, I'm the same person. No, the old is gone, the new has come. You are now a new creation as a result. You are so eager to reflect his love and his passion for other people. To love your brothers, not as Cain demonstrated hate, but to love that it's overwhelming. The way we love each other should be so overwhelming to the world that they have, no, they have no inclination how it's possible. And so they're so eager to learn how that their ears are just eager to hear the truth of Jesus Christ. That's having assurance. 
in salvation and having confidence who he is. And the more that you have assurance in your salvation and confidence in who he is, the more you're going to reflect the Father's love. You're going to take on his likeness. That's why we say we will love others with the power of Christ. And this is something we've got to remember. We will love others with the power of Christ when our own hearts have embraced the fullness of Christ. I'm going to embarrass someone a little bit right now. I didn't do this in the first service. I'll do it now because they can't tell me not to do it in the next service. Um, yesterday, went to the lake. Pastor Luke, I know you can hear me. Um, went to the lake. We're out there swimming. The waves were pretty good yesterday. It's kind of nutty. I, had, I, I often go to Lake Michigan. You're thinking lake, like right out front here. That's not a lake. Cesspool is what that's called. Uh, go out to Lake Michigan. I have to remind myself this is a lake, not the ocean. Anybody else? And then I just taste the water. I go, okay, it's not the ocean. Um, and we're out there, and uh, being two grown men, we went swimming, um, and uh, we kept our kids close uh, to shore. So you guys stay in there. If anybody drowns, it should only be us. It's horrible parenting. But then all of a sudden we start seeing fingers and arms pointing and there's a kid well out beyond the post and he's bobbing and he's hurting. He's struggling. Like you can tell this is not good. He's staying under longer and longer and longer. Uh, Pastor Luke takes off swimming. I take off swimming from farther away. Um, and Pastor Luke grabs this kid as he's, 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 he would not have made it. Um, all day I've been calling Pastor Luke Superman. And so then he does, I'm like, no, don't take your shirt off. Um, <laughs> and uh, he saved this kid's life. And finally I get to him. And even when I get to him, I'm pulling on the other side of this kid. And even at that point, the, the, the rip current, the rip tide was so bad that the three of us got pulled out some. And we're still trying to come back in. Um, there are so many people right now that are drowning. And you may be one of them. And you don't know how you're going to make it. There are so many people out there drowning right now. And you don't even recognize. If you're sitting on your couch at home, please hear me say, if you feel like you're drowning right now, the Father's hand is outstretched to you. Take it. And we need to live in the assurance that we have faith in Jesus Christ, we have salvation, and we can have confidence in who he is. And in doing such, we will start to be able to love others with the Father's love. You're picking this up, yes? We can handle a heart of that condemns, we can handle the sinfulness because we can have assurance in who he is, we can have confidence in who he is. If you feel like you're drowning, know that the Father's hand is outstretched. And can I encourage you to live with the same passion 
for others as God has had for you. That's, that's John 13, 34 and 35, right? We know the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. But the second greatest commandment is what? To love others as I've loved you. He redoes it, right? He, he takes it to a whole new place in John chapter 13, 34 and 35. You're like, well, that's not exactly what I'm, no, go read it. I encourage you to love others as Christ has loved you. To be that eager to show his mercy and his grace and his forgiveness. To not only say that God can redeem me, but to live knowing that he can redeem others as well. 1 John 3.23, it's certainly one of the key passages here. And it says the following. It says, this is his commandment. Listen to this closely. It's the last thing I want to leave with you today. In fact, let's throw, if you would throw that up here if we can. There it is. It says, this is his commandment. That we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. Can we love each other with that type of passion? No matter whether or not you feel like you're drowning, if you're just at the end of your rope, I am telling you now, there's hope in Jesus. There's hope in Jesus. Praise God. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that we have hope in you, confidence in you, assurance in you, and that we have the beautiful opportunity to reflect your love, the Father's love, that we have an opportunity, God, we get to stand in a broken, dark world to represent you, knowing that the light of Christ will always be opposed by the darkness of the evil one, but yet we stand anyway. We stand anyway, God, grateful for salvation, grateful for forgiveness, grateful for mercy, knowing that we can't earn salvation, there's nothing we can do that good, but yet you freely extend it to all those who profess and confess the name of Jesus Christ. We give you thanks for that, God. We love you and we celebrate you. Amen.